0: said, Amen, hallelujah. Well, today the title of my message is called "Please Excuse Me." Have you ever wanted to be excused from a situation? Nobody's fessing up. Ever wanted to not do something, but you felt the need to do it? Okay, well, this is kind of like that, but but in this case, God's calling His people to do something, but for some reason, We don't feel ready. We don't feel prepared. We don't feel um, adequate. So we're like, please excuse me, Lord. You can find somebody better. Please excuse me, Lord. I'm not ready. Please please excuse me, Lord, because I I have these past failures and there's no way you could use me. And um, so God's, you know, (laughs) God's not excusing you. (laughs) I'll just say that today. He does not excuse you. His gifts and his callings are not revoked ever and so he's created you with a plan with a purpose with a call and regardless of your failures regardless of the feelings of inadequacy regardless of the condemnation that the enemy may try to bring because of past failures you are not excused from doing what God's called you to do he's simply going to wait and keep on waiting until you say yes Lord send me Amen. God wants to use you. He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. And he still plans to make a success of you. Because he knows he's able. Yeah. Amen. He knows his ability in you. Hallelujah. That's a summary of what I'm going to be talking about today. Romans 11:29. 29. For the gifts and the callings of God can never be withdrawn. In other words, once he deposits it, he's not going to withdraw it. And when you were formed in your mother's womb, he deposited it. He created you with with, uh, abilities and plans and purposes in mind that he knew you were able to do because he knew what he's placed on the inside of you. Amen. So don't make excuses for being used by the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, Some of you, probably 90% of you, might have heard this little testimony before, but it comes up quite often. I remember when Clayton and I were younger and married. And when you're younger and married, you're, you're still trying to figure things out. And uh, I was distraught and going to tell on the situation to my parents, you know, cry to somebody. And um, so I'm driving to my mom and dad's house, all distraught about this situation, that we're just bickering and arguing and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm calling on God about this. I'm going to tell my parents about this. Um, situation I'm just distraught and like we're fighting and then all of a sudden God totally sidetracks me and he starts showing me plans he has for me he starts revealing to me his purposes he starts revealing to me the big picture because sometimes we get stuck in a rut with the small things that are trying to hold us back or the small things that are trying to distract us or the small things um, we might think are big mountains, but we make mountains out of molehills. Um, so the enemy was trying to distract me with the small things, and God was like, look at the big picture. This is what I have for you. And I was like, why are you showing me that? Who am I that I would do that for you? And really what, what he was showing me was me, like, preaching to Pakistan so to say. Like, thousands of people are going to receive me because of you. Like, thousands of people are going to be healed and delivered and set free. This is what you should be focused on, not this little thing that the enemy is doing. Yeah. So, are you saying I have something on my face? Don't, don't ever go like this or like this, or I'll think, like, what's wrong with me? Anyways, we do have a code. I often get lipstick right here, so if you ever see me go like this, it's because someone in front's going... Anyways, so at the time when I said, Lord, why are you showing me this? Who am I that I would do that? Why are you showing me this? The Lord said something to me that totally caught me off guard. By the way, Tracy, you inspired this message with her Bible study from women's Bible study. So you don't want to miss out. But anyways, um, so who am I, Lord, that I would do that for you? And the Lord's like, that's funny. That's exactly what Moses said. That's exactly what Moses said. You know, I had no idea. I was still a a young minister in the Lord and just newlywed and whatnot. And so I hadn't studied that area to find out that Moses said those exact words. And so over the course of these last number of years, the Lord's shown me that Moses actually didn't only say that. Numbers of people said that. And actually, probably 99% of the time, 99.9% of the time, people feel inadequate to do what God's called them to do. The thing is, is you can't do what God's called you to do alone. You're a partner, a co-worker together with the greater one who's on the inside of you. Amen? And so the Lord was just showing me his ability in me and what's available to me. And so we're going to look at that today. And see how God wants to use you. In this situation, Moses thought, there's no way that I can be used by you. Moses uh, finally rises up to, his, to realize who he is. In fact, that, that he's not a part of the Egyptian culture. And he, in fact, is running away because he just killed an Egyptian. He's running away. So, so he's, he's got an identity crisis. He doesn't even know barely who he is. He just killed a man, and now he's running, and he's been wandering in the wilderness, just living like, you know, they do in the wilderness. And, uh, and then the Lord starts speaking to him. We're going to start with Exodus 3, 1 through 5, and I, I'm kind of trying to breeze through this. Um, I'll just start reading it, and I may paraphrase um, Verse 3, I'm going to start with. One day, Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire in the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, Moses responded, here I am. He says, the Lord said, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals for where you are standing is holy ground. I am the Lord God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was so afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers, and I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites now live. Sounds like a lot of ites. Um, This is the land I promise you. Look, the cry of my people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you. In other words, God wasn't so much concerned with who Moses was. He knew who he was. And he knew Moses loved God. Okay? And so when Moses is called by God, Moses is looking at his own abilities. And he's saying, Who am I? And that's why we often disqualify ourselves from what God has for us because we ourselves in our natural human state feel inadequate. But we don't realize that this greater one, the God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who with all things are possible if we believe, all things become possible. Okay? And so he's not realizing this right now. Verse 12, God answered, I will be with you. And this is a sign that I am with you, the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will come and worship God at this very mountain. This very mountain. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me, they'll ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell him? In other words, he's trying to make excuses. Um, verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am sent me to you. Um, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, has sent me to you. And this is his, my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So so Moses just has this past. He's just coming to know that he, in fact, is an Israelite. He's just becoming aware, you know, of what he was born into and, and you know, the, the, the situation that has happened. And he was raised, you know, in Pharaoh's home, not realizing yet the whole purpose and point behind how he ended up there. All right. So and then suddenly and God had this planned all along. But suddenly now God's calling him. It's official. Now is the time for him to step into his calling. God created him with a plan when he was born, okay, before he was born. But now is the time, and he, I don't remember, I didn't look into how old, if anybody knows how old he was when this was taking place, but God's calling him through this burning bush, through this angel, and telling him, now's the time. This is what I plan to do with you. And he is making every excuse in the book. Why he cannot, why he is inadequate to do this. Let's move on to Exodus 4, 1 through 14. Actually, I'm going to start with verse 4. But Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What if, what if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what's in your hand?" A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. And the Lord says, throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw it down on the ground, and it turned into a snake, and Moses jumped back. I'm going I'm to breeze through, but um, if you're writing notes, you can write verses um, chapter 14, 1 through 14, and I'm going to move to verse 10. Um, Basically, Moses had nothing significant that God could use, so he thought. But here's the point. He had a staff. It's a stick, okay? He had nothing important to offer God. But that didn't matter. God called him to do this thing for him, and he says, what do you have in your hand? In other words, no matter what it is you have to offer me, I will take it. I will use what you give me. So many of us are excusing us from what God has for us. We feel we don't have anything important to offer. But he will use what you give him. Your staff might be a smile. Your staff might be working in children's ministry. Your staff might be filling some of those homeless bags with with, uh, things um, just praying over them and showing the love of God that way. Whatever it is, even if it seems insignificant, don't excuse yourself from being used by God. Don't think what you have on the inside of you is inadequate because God can use it for his glory. Amen? In verse 10, it says, But Moses pleaded with the Lord. (laughs) Lord, (laughs) you know, they're having this conversation for a while. I'm not sure how many hours it took, but... He gets to the end of this instruction of what he's to do. He even sees these miracles take place with his staff. And he's about to be sent. And Moses is, like, still trying to back up from it. He's like, Lord, wait. Just please excuse me. I I got one more protest with you calling me to do this. I cannot speak clearly in front of people. I can't do it. It's impossible. I've tried before, and I failed. I stutter. My tongue gets all twisted and tied. He's essentially saying this. Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not good with words. I've never been, and and I'm not even now. Even though you have spoken with me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get all tangled. So he's being real with the Lord. But the thing is, is Moses isn't realizing if God calls you, he equips you. And we need to realize that. When God calls us to do something or when he puts a a dream on the inside of you or when he shows you or speaks to you to do something that you think is impossible for you to do, God's saying with me, all things are possible. Just give me what you have in your hands. Just give me what you've got on the inside of you and watch what I can do. Amen? Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or not speak, hears or not hears, sees or not sees? It, is it not I, the Lord? In other words, I can make you speak. I can work this in you. Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. In other words, you have nothing to worry about. I'm with you always, and he's with us always. Amen? But Moses once again tries to excuse himself. He pleads again, Lord, please send anybody else but me. I am the least deserving, in other words. I am the least inadequate. I mean, I'm the least adequate for this position that you're asking of me. Then the Lord becomes angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way now to meet you. He will be delighted to see you. This was not God's perfect will. God wanted to see He wanted Moses to depend completely upon God, not upon the ability of another man. God wanted Moses to see him at work in and through him, even though he felt inadequate. And he wanted him to see what little he has in his hand to offer that God could multiply it and God could cause him to flourish. And I mean, to an extent, totally. Moses is majorly used by God, and, and it takes a lot of him getting comfortable in his own skin or getting out of his own skin to do what God's calling him to do. But still, he makes excuse after excuse. Lord, please excuse me from this. Lord, please excuse me. No, Lord, not I. Who am I? And finally, the Lord gets pretty mad. And so I wonder sometimes, is, has the Lord been upset with us? But yet he still doesn't withdraw the calling and the giftings that he has placed on the inside of you. Maybe we've delayed some things. Maybe we've made many, many, many excuses. Even down to the last second, Moses was like, no, 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 no. And God's like, yes, 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 yes. Okay, I'll use Aaron along with you, but you're still doing what I'm asking you to do. <laughs> Hallelujah. I remember, and, and God's... God will take anything we give him. And I remember, I, I'm always praying this, Lord, use me. And I love that word, that, that tongues and interpretation. The Lord's like, what do you have? What do you have to offer? And that's what God's looking for. Are we willing to do what he's called us to do? We often pray it, Lord, we, we give our lives as an offering, a living and holy sacrifice. Well, if that's true, when he asks you to do something, are you going to do it? Because if you've given it to him, he should be able to use it. I remember that one Sunday, many years ago, I was subbing in for my dad. He was uh, taking a little sabbatical for a month with my mom. Um, sometimes ministers need to breathe a little bit and hear a fresh word from heaven and get refilled. So I stepped in, and in that particular Sunday, I don't know if it was winter or summer, I don't know, but the enemy tried to attack majorly, and I had been hit with some kind of cold or flu or whatnot. So I was back in my dad's office, praying and seeking the Lord for the service, feeling horrible physically and I literally was dependent on the Lord I'm like Lord your grace is sufficient for me your strengths made perfect in my weakness I thank you that today I'm not weak I'm strong in the Lord and in your mighty power speaking the word over myself and they got to like the second song and I knew I had to go out there So I come out, because we used to have the offices back here. I come out, and I sit in the front row, and I just start by faith worshiping God and coming into the throne room of God. And all of a sudden, and in worship, a lot of times, that's when God shows you stuff. and, And all of a sudden, I saw myself laying hands on people, and I was just like, I saw it, and I knew what God was saying. I was like, oh, no. Please excuse me. Please excuse me. I'm so sick today, Lord. Please excuse me. And oh, my gosh, I've never been so scolded in all my life. I heard the Holy Spirit scold me just like Moses. He said to Moses, he got angry. And this is what I heard. I heard the anger of the Lord. He said, you're just the vessel. It's I who will do the work. And I was like, Lord, I'm so sorry. I surrender. (laughs) I didn't like hearing that. I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to make him angry. We want to please God. When we offer our bodies as a living, holy sacrifice, the kind he finds acceptable, we pray, Lord, let me be a vessel fit for your use. It's him who makes us fit. It's not who we think we are that makes us fit. It's not how we feel at that moment, physically, spiritually, emotionally, or anything else that makes us fit. When he says, I want to use you, you should just say, yes, Lord. I offer whatever I have, as little as it is, I give it to you. And then he makes all grace abound. He becomes your strength in your weakness. And as I've shared before in that service, I probably felt the most power of God come on me to, to bring deliverance and healing and freedom to people's lives that I have ever experienced in my entire life. But what if, and look at Moses, what if he still made an excuse and said, no, Lord? What if I made an excuse and was like, no, I just feel horrible, Lord, I can't. People wouldn't have been delivered. People wouldn't have been set free. All of Israel wouldn't have been delivered from Egypt had Moses continued protesting, thinking he was inadequate. There's really, this story kind of repeats in many, many people's lives. And the way the Lord's shown me is like, there's not going to be one of us who's ever going to feel adequate by ourselves. Never is there going to be one of us who thinks we've got it all. And if we do think we've got it all, then it's the pride of the enemy. Because we're always going to need Jesus. We're always going to need the power of the Holy Spirit. We're always going to need Christ in us, the hope of glory, to do what God's called us to do. It's his ability in us that makes us strong. Amen? Jeremiah 1, 4 through 12. Jeremiah is called by the Lord. The Lord gave me this message. He says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah's response, please excuse me. (laughs) Oh, Lord, he says, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Everybody has an excuse. Moses is afraid, feeling inadequate, doesn't have anything to offer God. Jeremiah, feeling inadequate. Like he's too young, he doesn't know enough. Oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, don't say that. And I feel like that's how he scolded me. Don't say that. You're my vessel. Don't say I'm too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you to say. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. That settles it. I'm not withdrawing my desire to send you. I'm paraphrasing, but I'm, God's not going to withdraw what he's told you he wants you to do. It's just a matter of you saying, I surrender, Lord. I will submit, and I will do what you've called me to do. And I trust that when I step in faith to do that very thing, that your grace is going to be sufficient for me. Your strength is going to be made perfect in my weakness. Even when I feel my weakest, I thank you, Lord, that I am strong. <laughs> I'm trying to wake some people up here. Okay, um, <laughs> Okay. so moving along. I'm not going to read all of Jeremiah, but you can write on those notes. So if God had to wait for someone to be perfect or till, till someone felt adequate enough for the job, he could never use a soul. There's not one of us who could say, I'm ready, Lord. Use me. But you can say, Lord, I'm just a vessel. You can fill me and you can do what you want to do. I'll lay aside my, my concerns. I'll lay aside my cares. And I trust you, Holy Spirit, that you will lead me, you will guide me, and you will equip me to do what I'm called to do. God doesn't want us to be making excuses because he's the one who's able we're just the hands and feet of Jesus. We're just the mouthpiece. And we see this is how God's always worked, even through Moses, through Jeremiah, through, through um, numbers and numbers of people in the word of God. It was people that he wanted to use as his vessel. And if we're not willing to give him what we've got, if we're always excusing ourselves because we're inadequate, who is he going to use? He's going to use a rock or a donkey. If he's going to have to pass you up, he could use a rock or a donkey. It's in the word. <laughs> he's not asking us to do it alone. He's asking us to be a yielded vessel. First John 4.4 4 is a new, just kind of a new outlook on this. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Amen. Um, in this story, of, in Judges 6, 11 through 16, um, Gideon is called to do something for the Lord. An angel of the Lord comes to, to Gideon beneath a great tree at Oph- Ophrah. I don't say these words right, but which belonged to Joash, the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, he's, he's questioning If the Lord is with us, then why is all this happening? And where are all these miracles of our ancestors that they told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord's abandoned us and has handed us over to the Midianites. The Lord turned to him and said, Go with strength. Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. So now here he starts questioning this strength and he's like, What strength? We're being defeated. And the Lord's trying to awaken him to realize what strength we have in the Lord with God on our side. In verse 15, but the Lord replied to Gideon, or the, um, but the Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe, and I am least in my entire family. In other words, inadequate, inadequate inadequate. Please excuse my clan. Please excuse me from doing this thing that you're asking. The Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. Why? Because God's grace and his strength is going to become perfect in the weakness. I love that God chooses the weakest link He chooses to use ones that maybe the world would see as inadequate because it could have only been God. He gets all the glory. And we know the story and how um, Gideon's army went from like 10,000 down to 300 men. God's like, just to prove it, just to make sure that you're realizing that this dependency and this grace and this strength is from me, I'm going to whittle down your army. And so that's what happens, and guess what? They win. Why? Because God's grace and his ability is made perfect in our weakness. Even though we feel like excusing ourselves, even though we maybe have put ourselves on the, the, the bench to watch the game instead of playing in the game, God says, no more. No more warming the bench. That's no fun. No more cheering from the bleachers. That's only fun to an extent. It's time to jump in. It's time to let me use what I've called you to do. Amen. God wants to use you, no matter your background. We got to realize this, the, the the significance of this scripture. His gifts and callings are with, never withdrawn. So when He created you with something, there's nothing you can do to mess it up. You can you can sit on the bench and, and think that it's you know God should use somebody else. But the thing is, is He chose you. And that's why he gets so stern when he wants to use you and you're putting on the brakes. That's why he's like you're just the vessel. That's why he got angry with Moses. That's why he tells Gideon, "Nope. It doesn't matter how weak you are. It doesn't matter how you feel. Don't doesn't matter how low you are in the clan." I will be with you. Don't you realize I am the creator of the heavens and the earth. I am the one who created dry land so that Israels could walk through that Red Sea. It is me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. There's absolutely nothing. If you are willing to do what God's called you to do, even though you might feel inadequate, if you surrender to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, use me, he can make it possible what you or others might think is impossible possible he can work through you and he'll receive all the glory amen in 1 samuel 16 1 through 13 sam we know the story of david getting anointed but i'm going to read it starting with verse 1 i believe now the lord said to samuel You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, and I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? Saul, If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. So, you know, we see the questioning even here with the prophet. You know, how can I do that? But the Lord's like, I'll be with you. He tells him exactly the plan, what to do. You know, God will give us the plan. He'll lead and guide us and direct our footsteps, let them be ordered of him. We don't even have to. When we submit to the Lord and say yes, then it's up to him to show us the plan. It's up to him to show us what to set our hand to. He just needs that willing heart first. So don't expect a plan before the yes. Okay? He says, take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say, you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to sacrifice, and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town um, came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? He must have had had some kind of strong anointing on him. They were worried. Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to make the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed a purification for Jesse and his sons and invited them to sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, sure, he must have been a good-looking man. Surely, this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things, and we need to remember this. The Lord does not see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Not saying that every beautiful person is perfect, um, is not perfect on the inside. They could be perfect by the blood of Jesus. But somebody who might think, you might think that is definitely not somebody who God would use for this certain thing, might be the very person that God would use for that certain thing. Somebody who we might look at as not having it all together might have it all together on the inside. And that's what God looks at. He looks at the heart. Amen? So then Jesse told his son, Abinadab to step forward and to walk in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, nope, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimeah, and Samuel said, neither is this one the one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel, but Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? Because he was sure he heard the Lord. Well, they're still the youngest. In other words, the own father excluded David from, the, from, from being appointed king. He completely didn't even think there's no way God could use him. He's a total adolescent. He's always goofing off. In fact, we have just put him on sheep duty. He's not even invited to this, this worship service. <laughs> He's in children's church down there. Tending with the sheep. God couldn't use him, his own father. But God calls him anyways. So Jesse sends for David. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, I'm going to get choked up. This is the one. Anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers... The least of them, the most inadequate, the least experience in anything, so they thought. Samuel took the flask of oil. I can't see through my tears. Samuel took the flask of olive oil, and he had brought that he had brought and anointed David with oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day forward. And Samuel returned then to Ramah. So. God takes the least of these brothers, and he anoints them, and all of a sudden, he becomes adequate. The Spirit of God is who makes you adequate. Zechariah 4.6 says, it's not by might. It's not your ability. It's not by power. It's not what you can do with your hands. But it's by the Spirit of God. It's simply saying yes to the call of God and what he's called you to do. It's simply saying I surrender. And then the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, and he anoints you to do that thing. Isn't that good? We need to remember God doesn't see the same way man sees, the way we see ourselves, or the way others might even see us, as we see with this story regarding um, David. You don't often think of the fact that David's own father disqualified him. Lord, excuse him, he's not ready for this. But yet God God called him to do this. And God says he's ready. His heart's pure. That's what I'm looking for. God's looking for a humble and, and ready heart. So just going over these people, Gideon, he felt he was too weak. His clan was too weak. That's Lord, please excuse us. Jeremiah, I'm too young. Excuse me. David, oh, no, he's too young. He's he's not qualified. Mary, just a virgin girl. Who would have ever thought? Peter, he has a past, and then, in fact, in the future, he denies Christ. But we all know God used him powerfully. Thomas, he doubts God. He wants to see it physical. He wants to touch those hands. (laughs) Esther, she questions She's not real sure about this. Moses excused himself on several occasions and finally says, Lord, I have to remind you, you created me with a stutter. Can't do it. And then you got Saul, who becomes Paul. And we're going to talk a little bit about him. Paul could have easily made excuses for himself. Lord, excuse me. I've killed Christians. I've killed your people. I've persecuted them. I've raked them over the coals for what they are doing for you. Lord, I am totally not the one. He could have done that. But on the road to Damascus, and I believe because he created him with this plan, this transformation was so significant because God called him before he was formed in his mother's womb. And because he was that before and now he's been transformed on the road to Damascus, He's able to, God is able to use what his past was and give himself glory through Paul. Amen. Paul could have made these excuses, but like I said, Jeremiah 1.5, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah 29.11, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God knows the ability he placed on the inside of you. He knows the giftings and talents that that he gave you, and he knows the influence that you'll have. He knows your past and your failures, and he can even take those things and turn it around and use them for his good, as we see in Paul. Amen? So Paul, despite his past, God uses him. He felt the least adequate, the least deserving of how God was using him. And you might feel the same. You might feel, who am I? Look at my past. Look at my failures. Look at my inadequacies. But yet God's calling you to set your hand to something that he could use. I remember um, hearing that Catherine Kuhn said she didn't feel adequate, but yet somebody else had excused themselves, Lord, please excuse me, had excused themselves. She, she believed that she heard the Lord say that somebody else had excused themselves, didn't want to be used by God or didn't think they were in ad, or adequate to do it, or whatever the case, but she was walking in uh, a call that God wanted somebody else to walk in. But they excused themselves. And we hear Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15, 9 and 10, For I am the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it's all because God poured out his special favor upon me. Or poured out his power or his anointing upon me. And not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working in me by his grace. Amen. In Romans 8, 28, it says, and now we know all things work together for the good to those who love God and who have been called according to his purpose. What is his grace? It's his power. It's his ability. We know God works in us by his grace, by his ability to do what he's called us to do, amen, according to his purpose. So in in Paul's situation and in your situation, Romans 8.1, therefore there is no condemnation. There's nothing of your past that can hold you back from what I have called you to do. There's nothing that can excuse you from fulfilling what I've called you to do. My gifts, my, my abilities, my call... I don't repent of it. I'm not withdrawing it. So you might as well f- surrender. <laughs> you might as well say, yes, Lord, use me. God's the one who makes us usable. Christ in us, Colossians 127, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 9, and 10. He says, "Paul, this is talking, Paul talking, and he says, each time, he said to me, each time Paul felt inadequate, each time he felt he couldn't do something that the Lord was showing him. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So Paul started to realize this after, you know, trying to excuse himself possibly from doing what God wanted him to do because of his past. He says, so now I'm glad that I boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness, and insults and hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I'm weak, he is strong. I'd rather have God's strength be shining through me, amen, than me look like I could do it all. Philippians 4:13. For I can do all things. Through what? Through your own ability? Through through your own adequacy? Through what you could do or you could accomplish or what your mind could think? No, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, no more excuses. No more, Lord, please excuse me because I have this pass. No more, Lord, please excuse me because I'm not ready. No more, Lord, please excuse me, I'm not prepared. Get prepared. If the minute God tells you to do something, start setting your hand to whatever it is he shows you to set your hand to. If he's told you to do something, then ask him, Lord, what do you want me to set my hand to? Trust him that he's calling you to do it, and trust him by say, seeking him about it and asking him, Lord, how can I set my hand to something? How can I go towards that call? And he will anoint that faith. All he wants is somebody, a vessel saying, Yes, Lord, I trust you. And I know that 99.9% of us have felt the call of God upon our lives. At one point or another, you felt God calling you. Maybe you've said yes, or maybe you've said, please excuse me. But that call is still there for you to answer. God's on this. That call he takes very seriously, just like when he, he was talking to Moses about what he called him to do. He takes it so seriously. And he's like, just yield to me and let me work. It's I who am with you. It's I who am the strength in your weakness. You can do anything if you let me work through you. Amen? Isn't that good? Amen. Hallelujah. Just say it. Say, I can do all things through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. The blood of Jesus cleanses me and makes me right in the sight of God. I can be used by God. I am a vessel fit for his use. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that there's um, maybe a few, maybe there's a lot of you. I don't know. But I know that God's sticking out a few people and I don't want to call anybody out specifically. Um, But if you feel like you have said, Lord, please excuse me, and you've been putting on the brakes, but now this message has kind of opened you up and you realize he's not waiting for you to be perfect. He's not waiting for you to be more righteous because he made you righteous. He's not waiting for, for... somebody else to do it. He's just waiting for you to say yes. If that's you today, you haven't said yes, or maybe you've put it on a back burner because you're not ready yet, or you're not perfect yet, or you're not, you're not equipped yet. If that's you, you've been putting it on the back burner, you know God called you to do something, but today... Because of this message, it's given you liberty, and you want to step up, and you want to say yes to the call of God and what he's calling you to do. I want you to come forward, and I'm going to just anoint you with oil. I'm going to, I'm going to play Samuel right now, <laughs> and I'm going to anoint you to do what God's called you to do. There's at least a couple, and if they don't come forward, I'll call them out.